0: let's go to god god we thank you so much just for uh the work of our servant team god for the constant meetings and uh just the the talking the homework that they did all the stuff that they've uh just uh, worked on to get us to this point god we just thank you for the fact that you've been at the center of each of those meetings god as they've uh talked through things they've disagreed um they've They've uh, talked some more, God, and you've been at the center unifying, building us up, building your church, God. And we thank you that it's no one person who makes this decision, but it's you, God, who has worked through your people and called us to this group of, of churches. And so, God, we just pray that we could be good news to them and they could be good news to us and that we could uh, work together to shine your light and your love with our community God, we thank you so much that you are always leading your church. You're always growing us. You're always stretching us. You're always calling us to be more like you. And you do that as a people group, as a church, but also you do that individually as well. So, God, as we listen to your message today, God, I pray that you would help us to hear your good news, that we could uh, just be open to you transforming our hearts and our minds, and that we could hear your good news instead of the fake good news today. Thank you for loving us. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, my name is Greg Peterson. I'm the youth and children's director here at Sunrise, and I get to be a part of the teaching team as well. And I'm just so excited to be able to jump into this series of fake good news. And so uh, our topic today is going to be centered around uh, a lot of happiness, that that idea of happiness. all right? And so I just went on Google real fast, and I pulled up a bunch of quotes um, on different ideas of happiness. And so uh, I'm just going to read a couple to you. It says, the purpose of our lives is to be happy. The only thing that will make you happy is being happy with who you are. There is no path to happiness. Happiness is the path. Whatever makes your soul happy, do that. Happiness starts from the inside. Happiness is a choice. Do what makes you happy in life. Be happy with who you are. All this, these things, we, you've probably heard a million different times, and, and this idea of happiness just kind of becomes the center of these conversations. And, and, and the, it's often like these ideas of like happiness is a choice. And I, I was reading these, and I, I had to laugh because it was like it was all like kind of placed on the individual on why you're not happy. Like if you're sad or going through depression, I don't think it's good news to tell that person the reason they're sad and, and not happy is because of you, like that's really what a lot of these are saying. Like you choose happiness, you are the problem. And I was like, this isn't good news. This seems terrible news, right? And so, um, just reading that, I, I thought that was interesting. But the next thing uh, is the fact that you know, if you spend five minutes on any platform, any social media, uh, you are going to have tons of different influencers out there that are going to be telling you the way to be happy right? And so if you're just scrolling through, and you scroll through one person, and and the person is all fit, they're in athletic gear, they're all ripped, you know, and they're they're all energetic as well, and they're saying, you know, the reason you're not happy is because you're not fit. You're not healthy. You need to get fit so that you can uh, make sure that you are happy. And so if you just subscribe to my channel and follow me and ring that bell, and also uh, buy this tea that is uh, you know sponsoring my channel, uh, I'm sure that won't mess you up whatsoever. Yeah, that's how you find happiness. Or you scroll to the next one, and and it's this person there, and they're putting all kinds of makeup on themselves, and and they're saying, the way to happiness is beauty. And if you just follow my channel, then you too can uh, be happy with yourself by uh, the amount of makeup that you put on yourself. You scroll up again, and that person's talking about finances. And if you just follow my channel then you will learn how to be successful, you will learn how to be independent, and you also just need to make sure that you have five other people do the same thing underneath you. I promise it's not a pyramid scheme because we named it something else. So often, so many of these people are trying to sell you happiness. They're trying to give you advice. And the natural thing is to look through this. You spend five minutes, you scroll through all those, and you start to ask, who's right? Which one of these paths to happiness is correct? Maybe a a better question that we could start to ask ourselves is, is happiness the best thing that we can strive for in our lives? Should that be the center focus of our lives? And maybe also, does God care about us being happy? The fake good news that we're kind of covering today is this. It says, God wants us to be good and happy, but mostly happy. That's kind of the the idea that we're focusing on today. And this thinking comes from moralistic therapeutic deism, which is a big, long name. I'm sure that most people who believe that don't actually call themselves that. In fact, most of them would call themselves Christians. uh, But really what it is, it's Christian light. Christian light. It's all of the fields of Christianity without any of the substance. Does that make sense? It's all the, the ideas, these great emotions, God's love. He wants you to be happy without any of the actual scripture, without any of the actual Bible involved in their churches. And that's not how you're, what you're going to find here at Sunrise. Kind of like Cody's story. is a perfect example, right? All the essence of strawberry without any of the strawberry. That's Christianity light. The main idea is be good and be happy. But most importantly, be happy. It sets happiness as the most important thing that we can achieve with our lives. And so what I want to do today is I want to hold that idea up to Scripture. I want to hold it up to Scripture and say, does this balance out? Is this truly what God wants us to do with our lives? Is happiness the best thing that we can achieve with our lives? And so that's what we're going to be testing against Scripture today. And so I want to invite you guys to turn to Mark 10, verses 17 through 30. And we're going to be looking at another uh, person who is looking to succeed with his life. He's looking to find happiness, find the meaning of life. And so that's where we're going to be today. Again, it's Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 30. Give you a second to open your apps or your Bibles to that. This is the word of God. All these things I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up. We have left everything to follow you. Truly, I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brother or sister or mother or father or children or field for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. Amen. Well, I want to break this story down for us and kind of take it piece by piece. And uh, first of all, this story of which sometimes is called the rich young ruler, this person who's coming to God to come to, coming to Jesus is found in three of the Gospels. It's Matthew, Mark and Luke. And in each of the Gospels, it's always found in the back third of the Gospels. And so what we can understand with that is the fact that Jesus has stopped uh, necessarily focusing on helping his disciples understand who he is, because Peter has already declared that. He says, you know, when they were having this conversation, he said, who do you say I am? Peter says, you are the Messiah. And so after that point in Jesus' ministry, you'll see this in the Gospels, is he turns his direction from helping people understand who he is to start telling them what he came to do. And so, with that in mind, we can understand that part of what we're supposed to understand through this scripture is Jesus is trying to help us to understand what the kingdom of God is like. He's describing uh, what the, the, how that kingdom's going to work, how we're supposed to live in that kingdom. And so, those are some of the things that we can be picking up and noticing as we read through this story. And also, we can uh, remember that this is actually at the height of Jesus' popularity as well. Everyone knows who Jesus is. He walks into a town, he doesn't walk in quietly, everybody knows he's there. Uh, and that's kind of what it says at the very beginning. As Jesus started uh, on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Um, Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So this man is coming to Jesus and asking him a good question. He's asking him, how do I become a part of your kingdom? How do I become a part of, of God's kingdom? How do, I, how do I get involved in that? How do I make sure that I'm going to be saved, that I'm going to make it to heaven? Uh, he's, he's asking a great question. And he's asking the right person, right? Like he's going to Jesus, he's going to the man. And and so he runs up to him and he asks him and he even it says in Mark kneels at in front of him like he humbles himself and, and asks to receive, like he's hitting all the marks right. We're gonna say like this guy, he's he's doing a good job right. He he's he's hitting all the marks there. Smart guy, um, except he he's missing one thing. Did you catch it? Jesus didn't, or Jesus didn't miss it. He says, "Good teacher." Now Jesus is a good teacher. He is a good teacher. He, 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 that's, not the, that's not a part of his character. But Jesus wants to help this guy understand that he's not just a good teacher. He's not just another teacher, another person to listen to, to throw in line with everyone else. Jesus wants to, in fact, help this man define his terms. So he asks him, he says, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. Jesus is saying, no, you can't just throw me in line with all the other religious leaders, with all the other people out there, all the other good thinkers out there. I'm not going to just be placed back there in that line to just hopefully get some information to you, to some advice that you can scroll past. You have to remember this is Jesus, God the Son, the second member of the Holy Trinity. This is God become a man. He is the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, That is who he's speaking to, and so he is going to talk to him with that kind of authority. He's going to say, no, you're not going to just throw me back there with all the other religions. You have to understand, I am God, and that is a big deal. Who Jesus is matters. Who Jesus is matters not only to this man, but also to us. I mean, it's important for us to understand when we talk about Jesus, he's not just some great thinker that was back there a long time ago that lived and lived a a, a crazy life. We believe that he is God, the son, the second member of that Holy Trinity. This is who we worship. This is who we're talking about here. And so he's not just some guy who lived a long time ago. He is God. That is what we believe. And that matters. It matters significantly more if he was just some crazy dude. 2000 years ago in fact uh, Paul talks about this in, in 1 Corinthians 1 verses 18 through 25 and it, this is what Paul talks about is he's talking about these two ideas of who Jesus is and he says the, the, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing so those who are not believing but to us who are being saved it is the power of God For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. Where is your wise person? Where is your teacher of law? Where is your philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For for, For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demanded signs, and Greek looked for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block for, uh, to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those who God has called, both Jew and Greek, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, For the foolishness of God is wiser than the human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. And so, what Paul is saying there is he's talking about these two worlds. If you think that Jesus is God and that he lived a perfect life and he sacrificed his perfect life to restore a relationship for you and God, he forgives all of your sins, he died for your sins you are going to look at the message of Jesus and you are going to see there's power in the blood. There's power in the cross. There is, a, there is, that's a life changing message. That is good news. But if you think he's just some random dude that said some nice things here and there, then you're going to look at this whole thing. And you're going to say, these people are crazy. They're fools. Who Jesus is matter matters. And that's what Paul is talking about. He's saying then there's strength when we know that, that Jesus is God. We, when we believe the gospel, when we read the scriptures and understand who Jesus is, that matters, and there's power in that. I love how he puts that. The wisdom of God is wiser than any human wisdom, and the weakness of God, if there is such a thing, is stronger than any human strength. Who Jesus is matters. It is the center point of the Bible and our lives. So Jesus is saying to this man, "Understand who I am. I'm not just another teacher or of law, another philosopher of this age, I'm someone different. And you need to recognize that." So then he quotes the Ten Commandments that he would have spoken to uh, uh, Moses long ago in Exodus. Uh, He says, uh, you know, in verse 19 and 20, uh, it says, you know the commands, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, Uh, honor your father and mother. These are the Ten Commandments, or the commandments from the uh, Old Testament. And uh, the the man says, teacher, uh, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Now notice what the man did there. He dropped the good right he perfectly tells us what his view of jesus is he doesn't see him as god he doesn't see him as the messiah he drops the good and now just calls him teacher the second thing that we notice is man this man is bold i mean he just looked at the ten commandments and was like yep check 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 i can do all that i've been doing that since i was a little kid no big deal right Uh, and i think that's that's a pretty big deal that he just said that um But I think what we can kind of learn from that, what we can understand from that, is that this man truly is trying his best. This man is trying his best to follow the word of God, to follow God, to to trust in God the best he knows how. This man wants to know Jesus. He's trying his best. He's, He's following the Jewish laws to try to live for God. And so I think that kind of reveals a little bit of what we're going to read in verse 21. And I want to push into this a little bit because I think it's so beautiful. It says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Jesus looks at him and loves him. He looks at him and loves him. He sees him. He sees him for who he is. He sees him for all his failures, his his mess-ups, his sins. He sees everything about this man. He looks at him, and he sees him, and he loves him. Not because this guy has been killing it. Not because this guy is doing great in life. Not because of any of those things. But he just sees him, and he loves him. He cares for him. And then as only Jesus can do, as only God can do, he invites him to follow him. Because what he recognizes is the fact that he sees that this guy, he's trying his best to follow God. But what he needs is the same thing that all of us need. He needs Jesus. He needs to understand who Jesus is. He He needs to let go of the world and everything else that he has and just follow God with everything that he is. He needs Jesus in his life. But like I said, as only God can do, he also pokes the very thing that the man is not willing to let go of. That thing the man's trying to hold back. See, this man is successful. This man is, is, is wealthy. He, he's doing great in life. And so Jesus pokes the very thing that he's trying to hold back from him. This is conviction that we see in the Holy Spirit. God is poking the one thing in your life that you try to hold back from him. that addiction, that habit, that relationship, that illusion of control, whatever it is in our lives. Several times, if you've been a Christian, you know this experience when you're trying to hold something back from God. And, and all of a sudden you come to church or you hear a song on the radio or whatever. and God gets working on your life. And all of a sudden you feel that poke in that place. And you're like, no, God, that's mine. I, I don't, I think I got this. Don't, don't pay attention to this. I'll do all this for you, but don't pay attention to this. And you'll see throughout life, God constantly says, no, hand that over to me. Trust me with that. And you'll see the blessings that you can live, the freedom that you can live when you do that. Jesus pokes at the place that this man doesn't want to give up. It says in verse 22, at this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. This man could not give up being the success story. In other gospels, it calls him that, or says that he was young. And so let's just check it off. This guy is young. He's wealthy. Uh, he's super religious, right? He's trying his best to follow uh, God the best he knows how. Uh, so this guy, I mean, by all, by all standards, we would have said, great guy. Great guy, definitely want to like follow his channel. He would have been an influencer, definitely, right? He would have had his own channel. Uh, You know, this guy is the kind of guy that like when he walked through the 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 village, the moms nudged their daughters and said, "That one, go after that one." Right? He he checks all the great boxes, and so if we look at this guy, we would say this guy would have been a prime candidate to follow Jesus, but he was not willing to give up his success story. And allow his story to be given up so that he can be a part of God's story. So he misses it. And he walks away. Jesus sees this in verse 23 through 27. It says, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Jesus highlights what is happening when we hang on to the world. We miss amazing blessings that he has for us but something that we could take note of as we read through that scripture is that twice it says in the gospel the disciples were amazed at jesus's words so what were they amazed at what was standing out to them well for that we need to understand a little bit of the jewish kind of culture uh see uh, a lot of times in jewish culture they would assume that if someone who is rich was someone who was not defrauding anyone, that they were blessed by God, that they were living a life for God and God had blessed them and that's why they were doing so well, that's why they were wealthy. And so for for Jesus to say that the wealthy might not make it to heaven, they're like, well then, isn't God blessing them? Like, how does that whole thing work? And they get that thinking, not from just some random thing, that random tradition. They get that straight from Proverbs. We can read those same scriptures. They're in our Bible as well. Uh, we can just go through a couple of them. Uh, Proverbs 11.10 says, when the righteous prosper, the city rejoice. Then uh, when the wicked perish, there are shouts of joy. 11.25 uh, says, a generous person will prosper. Uh Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. 1720 says, uh, "Who uh, One whose heart is corrupt does not prosper. So kind of the flip side. So if you're evil, you will not prosper. Uh, one whose tongue is perverse falls into trouble. Again, another one that's the reverse. Whoever is, uh, conceals their sin does not prosper. But the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. And then twenty-eight. Twenty-five says the greed stirs up conflict, but those who trust in the Lord will prosper. And so this highlights this kind of thinking that if you follow God, you will be blessed, and He'll give you a blessed and easy life, and you will get wealthy, and and everyone can point at your life and say that's because they follow God. But the thing is, is everyone who is Jewish would have known to hold these scriptures, these ideas from Proverbs with another book from the Old Testament. And that book is Job. Job is a story that uh, would have very much contradict this very idea as well. Job is a story. We're not going to read through it because it's like 40 chapters. Um, but uh, Job is a story of a man who is very focused on God. I mean, this guy was wealthy. He had all the things. He had tons of kids. He, he's living a great life. And he's like so focused on his Uh, Walk with god that he's like sacrificing just in case someone sinned. All right. He's like His kids are going off and leaving and he's like going to the temple and sacrificing at the temple Just because they might have sinned on their way or while they're there on their way back He's like super prepared. He's really focused on staying holy And so uh, satan kind of takes focus on him and says, you know god If you were just to take away all these blessings from him, then he would curse you. He wouldn't follow you and so that's actually what happens. Uh, he loses his children. He loses his wealth. He loses his land. He loses everything except the things that are, aren't going to give him any kind of joy, like some really bad friends and a wife who constantly is nagging them and saying, curse God. Um, you know, so that's what he's left with. And through that whole book, as you read it, You see a man who's going through suffering, and through his suffering, he's still saying, I can't just accept the good from God, I have to accept the bad from God as well, and I will accept them both because they're both from God. I will always honor God, no matter what. He accepts the good and the bad. Now, the book of Job, for the Jewish people in the Old Testament, would have been like the book of James for us in the New Testament. Not a lot of people would have wanted to go there because there's a lot of conviction there, right? We don't always want to talk about James, because there's a lot of like, you're not doing enough, and you're like, yeah, great, I feel great now. Um, But that's how how Job was. You had to hold those two ideas in tension with each other. God blesses his people, but the reality is, is we live in a broken and hurt world. Those two realities are there. And so uh, God does bless his people, but we live in a broken world. Life still happens to us. And yet in the good times and the bad times, we are still called to chase after God, not just when life is good. And so that is what, uh, what the disciples are amazed at, saying, but aren't you blessing? Isn't he blessed? Isn't he following God? See, the problem with happiness being at the center of our lives is that happiness is not something that we can really manifest ourselves. We can't really grab a hold of it. It's not like I run over to Walmart and I grab some happiness and I bring it home with me and I'm like, I have happiness now. Happiness doesn't work that way. Happiness is not a substance that we can attain. It's not something that we can grab onto. It is a byproduct of other things that we are doing. It is something that is produced out of the other habits, the other choices that we are making in our lives. So happiness is not a substance that we can attain. It's a byproduct of other things that we are doing. Uh, an example of this is marriage. You cannot just say, I'm going to have a happy marriage. I'm going, I'm going to, we are being happy in this family. This is a happy marriage. And then your spouse comes to you and says, honey, we need to do a budget meeting. All right? We need to talk about our spending habits because we're running in the red. And you look at that spouse and you say, no, I choose happiness. doesn't it's not how it works honey uh we need to talk about how the kids are acting they're being crazy there's no we need to work on discipline we need to work on something going on there no no i think instead what i want to do is choose happiness that's those things are not going to work out for you happiness is something that you have to work towards It, it takes talking through those hard decisions. It takes doing the work. It takes going through the good times and the bad times. And through that, something that bubbles up in the marriage is happiness. You can't just choose to be happy. It has to come from the other decisions that you're making there. The same with our lives. We cannot find happiness on our own. But if we choose to focus our lives on following God, reading the Bible, praying throughout our day, Building our relationship with God, the byproduct, is so much more than just happiness. Galatians 5 says, it's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's forbearance, it's kindness, it's goodness, it's faithfulness, it's gentleness, it's self-control. That is what a life is meant to live for. When you live for God, it is so much more than happy. Mark 10, as we finish out our story today, Uh, 28 through 30 says, Then Peter spoke up, We have left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, No one who has left home or brother or sister or mother or father or child or or field for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. Where moralistic therapeutic deism and other popular thinking fails by simply trying to make happiness the center point of your life, is that happiness, that happiness needs to be that your everything, that thinking that happiness needs to be your everything. Jesus says, Let go of happiness and follow me. Let go of happiness, and stop chasing that idea, that fake news that you can attain that yourself. And follow him. And what you will find out is you find the purest form of happiness. Is when you have that connection with God. So. What would it look like for you to stop chasing after happiness? Chasing after the things that will make you happy. And instead start searching for what will help us grow closer to God. That's my question that I want you to talk about at lunch today, as you leave today. What, what would happen, what would it look like for your life, for you personally, to stop chasing after those things? Oh, this will make me happy. This will make me feel great. This is what I want to do. Stop chasing after those things and instead use that same energy, that same focus to say, I want to chase after God with that. Trusting him with our happiness. Really, that's what we're doing here. We're not saying, be a Christian, it's miserable. We're saying, trust God with your happiness and see what he gives back. And oh man, the blessings, the freedom, the joy, the peace, the, the great life that he has for you when you trust him with such a precious thing as happiness, which we really can't attain anyways. So what does it look like for you to, to stop watching another show and bingeing that show on Netflix What does it look like for you to stop playing that game? What does it look like for you to stop scrolling that app and instead use that time and that effort to chase after God, to read your Bibles, to pray, to to have spiritual conversations with people around you. Maybe to find some time to, to get some people around where you can have those kind of conversations with people, to talk about life, to talk about God, how precious and how much we need to have more of those kind of conversations in our lives. Maybe it's by, by reworking your schedule so that you can come to a family night on Wednesdays and join some of those groups or serve in one of the many places that we have here at Sunrise to serve and, and just to, to grow in your relationship. What would it look like for you to give up some energy in one category and devote that to God? And I tell you again what precious and great things he has for you when we trust God with our whole lives and our whole being. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much that you are trustworthy, that we can trust you with every part of us. There's no section of our life that you say, well, I don't want to touch that. But you, you actually constantly ask us to give over more of our lives, to give up the life that we built for ourselves so that we can live more wholeheartedly for you. God, I pray right now that each person, as you right now, Holy Spirit, work in our hearts and our minds and say, that thing right there, I need you to hand that over to me. That downtime that you have, that, that five minutes before this, or, or whatever it is, Holy Spirit, you convict more better than any words I can come up with. And so, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would poke that thing in our lives right now that we need to hand over to you, so that we can grow in our walk with you, that we can be more like you, that we can trust you more. God, I thank you that you're never done with us. Whether this is our first time ever hearing your good news, or our hundredth time hearing your good news, you constantly are growing us and maturing us in your faith. Thank you for this good news, this real good news. Thank you for the substance. Thank you for the sweetness. Thank you for the taste. God, I pray right now that you would help us to continue to worship your name and uh, process the things that you're calling us to do. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.